It's part six of our 13 questions that will define the Phoenix Suns season preview series. And today we are answering who is the Suns' fifth starter going to be? Who is their fifth closer actually going to be? And why? We'll break it down on today's episode. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credential media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen to start your week. Today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets back when you visit fanduel.com slash locked on and get started Hit follow or subscribe if you're finding us for the first time. We are free and available on all podcast platforms, so I appreciate you guys joining me every single day now that we are in full swing with this season preview series. Become an everydayer. Get locked onto the Suns. All you got to do is hit that button, and you'll get Suns content in your feed every single day. Brandon Duenas is joining us as he does every single Monday here on the podcast. This is already the second season preview show that Brandon has done with me. We're rifling through them. There was a disappeared answer and question as part of the preview series on Friday. We had some technical difficulties, an episode that is lost to, um, I guess, the computer gods, just the internet, the World Wide Web. It is It has been eaten up. So then, I'm sorry there was no Friday episode. We'll talk Matt Ishbia another time. But today we're talking fifth starter. We're talking about who's going to start, who's going to close for this team, and why. And Brandon, I'll put it to you this way. Let's just Put the players that are actually on this roster aside. Maybe after the Beal trade, if I had asked you, what do you want in a fifth starter for this Phoenix Suns team, what would you have said? That's a great question. I think the first thing that comes to mind is just someone that that does the little things, uh, hustle, and doesn't need the ball to, to make an impact. Those are really the main things I look at. Obviously, there's a lot more specific needs, but those are just the first things that jump to my mind. Yeah, I think I probably, I'm sure, I'm sure I did say something. I think you and I talked shortly after the trade. I'm sure we had opinions then, you know, but I, I definitely would have said shooting. And I think that speaks to your point about not needing the ball. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess we didn't necessarily, we still don't really know what every element of the scheme of this team is going to look like, but we did know Frank Vogel was the coach. So I probably would have said length, you know, uh, because I think we know the principles of his defensive style is to really try to swarm and create turnovers and do that type of thing. So I think you and I are pretty closely in alignment. Um, maybe somebody a little like Mikhail Bridges would have been nice in a, in a vacuum, right? Like in a, in, a, in a factory, if you could dream it up, but Obviously, you know, with the salary situation the way that it was, it was going to have to be minimum players. Um, has your, like, thinking on it changed the more that, like, maybe we've heard from Vogel or thinking about how these pieces might fit together or anything like that? Or do you still feel like 
that bear kind of like an energy guy is basically what you're describing. Like, is that changed at all? Like has any, we can get into players now. Has, has anybody risen or fallen in like your mental standings of like who should get this slot since we kind of knew what the roster was going to be two months ago? So I would say just like a specific skill set is kind of, I'm not going to say shooting is not as important because like it is still very important, but I think I might've overthought how important that is. Like, obviously you need someone that can hit wide open shots, but um, I think they can, especially like when you're placing Chris Paul with Bradley Beal, the, the spacing is going to just from that alone, the spacing is going to look a lot better. So I think uh, they're just had, adding a player that can cut uh, get to the rim, has that length, like you said. I think if they can provide those things, then, you know, I feel like the Suns' offense is good enough to survive. And, like, what's a, what's a trade-off defensively? If you're just going to get a sniper like like a Utah or a Gordon or whoever, like, um, you know, that's that's when you kind of look at, like, Akogi and, and Bates-Diop and just kind of measure mm-hmm. those, those trade-offs. So, for me, like, I'm not saying shooting isn't as important, but it's, like, kind of taken um, – taking a little bit of that off of my initial analysis, but I do think uh, Mm. finding that right balance is going to be huge depending on which lineups they throw out there. No, I think that is a great point. And and that's, you know, we always get sucked back into like critiquing the way that the team used to be set up, but I promise we're looking forward in this episode, but because you brought up Chris Paul, like I quickly on that idea, that was one of the criticisms or not even criticisms, but downsides that I always talked about when they got into these playoff duels with these teams, the nature of having Chris Paul on your team, especially the version that the Suns got is he creates for others just as much, if not more than he creates for himself. And if those others aren't great, then you're setting yourself up for, for failure a little bit. Whereas by bringing Durant in and bringing Beal in now, those guys by nature bring create for themselves and they don't even need a ton of spacing to do that right like you always want the spacing but the number and the types of players that can succeed next to superstar scorers is it's just a bigger list than the guys who can survive when everything has to kind of be pristine and really work to perfection in the half court the way that Monty and Chris kind of wanted things to operate so that's that's super smart way to put it I think you know we've seen with KD guys like Bruce Brown or Nick Claxton or others really take a a leap despite not being able to shoot because they could do some of that other stuff. So I think that's a a good way to put it. Um, We're going to also talk about who we're going to talk starting and closing. Does it change your opinion about what you might want to see at the end of the game? Because I think a lot of people feel like that answer might be different for the Suns, who starts versus who closes. I think, uh, and this is just such a cop-out answer, and Vogel even pointed to this already, is just it just depends on the matchup. depends on how the game's mm-hmm. going, uh, what the personnel is for each team in, in those situations. Like, I, I guarantee if there's betting lines on who the fifth starter and fifth closers are going to be, like, even Vogel probably doesn't know at this point, like, legitimately, because yeah, it's, it's going to be a competition, uh, which you could look at it two ways. You could look at the, the negative side of it or the positive that these guys are going to be hungry uh, a lot of these guys are on t- like what i i honestly just think they're just one-year deals like they're, yeah. yes they're two-year deals but a lot of them are they they came to phoenix to to build their value and, and get that bruce brown type bag so um i think having that competition is going to help a lot and i would be disappointed if at least one or two of those like pseudo two-year deals didn't turn into like a bigger contract for those guys somewhere else because that's because then you can take that and use it to recruit future free agents say like come here for a year um you know, and then go get your bag afterwards and have a chance. Or even, 
Yeah, absolutely. Or even, you know, undrafted guys, which we didn't really see the Suns do this year, but yep. that's another pathway. If you can sell them on, hey, come here and you'll develop, have a chance to, to contribute. Maybe you're an older rookie and this will be a good opportunity for you. I think that's something we haven't really, you know, talked a ton about, but that could easily be a, a pathway for the Suns. But let's talk about um, Kata Bates-Diop in a few minutes. I think we can not spend as much time on him because he's a guy I think most people expect to be um, the fifth starter for this team if not maybe their closer that's kind of where I want to start is we know you know 39% from deep last year 31% the previous year 34% over the course of his career but just not a ton of attempts not a lot of minutes he's played in his uh, NBA life so far and um, especially from corner threes was even better 38% um, compared to uh, a much lower percentage on the non-corner three. So that's all good. He has the length and size that you want. He can probably defend a multitude of types of players. I actually think, Brandon, that he might be the closer for this team more than a lot of people have argued. I think the status quo or the expectation is KBD will start, Eric Gordon will close. I kind of feel like Bates-Diop might start and close. What do you think about that? It's certainly a possibility, and I think uh, especially when you look at just the trajectory of his career, like last year really was kind of a breakout season for him in terms of just looking more confident and comfortable offensively. Like he's, he's not a scorer by any means, but he's uh, he's someone that's he's got pretty solid size. He plays almost like a big in a way with some of the stuff he does with his rolls to the rim. Um, they can use him in some interesting like pick and roll actions and, and post up. So offensively, like even if the shot's not falling at 40 percent like that, I don't think that's uh, a fair sample for him just because it was on a low uh, amount of attempts and it wasn't really, there wasn't as much pressure as there will be on him now, I think to, to hit those shots. But I think offensively, like he, he can still contribute in other ways that, um, you know, someone like maybe a Kogi, like if a shot's not falling, sometimes he could be just a net negative. Like I think Bates Diop, that's what gives him the edge over Kogi for me is I think offensively he could still contribute in other ways. And then defensively, uh, when it comes to closing, like just adding that size, ability to grab some rebounds, like that's that's a difference between him and Gordon that uh, could give him an edge in, in some of those games. But if it's a game where maybe they're playing the Warriors and it's just a back and forth, just high scoring game that they need buckets, like that's where Gordon could um, wind up closing some games. So that's just kind of going back to what I said about the whole just depends on who they're playing and what what the game flow is really like. Yeah, if you go back to college for him, he shot 35% on about 30, 350 attempts. And then in the NBA so far, 34% on about 370 attempts. So, yeah, I don't think it's probably reasonable to say that he's going to be a 40% shooter again. I also think, yeah, the pressure part is a good re- a good way to put it. You know, a lot of those Spurs games don't matter, didn't matter. It probably is a little more comfortable to take and make those shots when it's just whatever. It feels like an open gym almost. I do think that matters, even though the shots will be more open. But I would expect him to fall somewhere between that career lifelong average between college and the NBA and where he was last year. Like, I think he'll be at least average or above average. And I just think he'll be able to to blend into the identity of this team in, in a way that will feel more sound. But I agree with your point that it will depend on the matchup. There will be nights where, holy crap, this team's on like 130-point pace and we got to keep up with them. And Vogel just throws out Gordon or even a shooter who we can talk about one example of that later on. Um, 
I just, I guess I would say maybe the, the most, the, the highest number of closing lineup fifth guy reps will go to Bates Diop over the course of the season would be one of my predictions this year. But um, do you still feel like it's probably going to be Gordon closing the most for this team? I, I know that's been your expectation throughout most of the summer. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be like a, a chunk of Gordon, uh, Bates, Diop, and even some Akogi minutes. Just okay. like I said, just depending on how things go. But uh, but I think just Gordon's veteran leadership too is going to be huge for for certain games, especially early. Like Vogel is probably going to want to earn that trust from Bates, Diop before he sticks in him in too many like like critical situations like that. Because um, yeah. that's just the type of coach he is in terms of he he trusts his guys. But if you give him a reason to trust you and you know, he's having a good game. Like I think Bates Yop absolutely is um, the front runner to, to take that spot from Gordon. Like, I think that's their one, a one B in whatever order you really want to put them. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, let's, they got, they've got let's talk about Gordon next. Let's, let's jump into Gordon, break his game down, break what he brings down to this team and why he does make a lot of sense for that role. First, let's talk about FanDuel and why it is the best time to get in on FanDuel because it's the start of the NFL season and right now new customers who bet $5 get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed from FanDuel America's number one sports book that's $200 in bonus bets win or lose if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel there's no better time to get in on the action the app is incredibly easy to use and there's a wide range of betting options including spreads player props over unders and more I promise you that one of the best things about FanDuel that a lot of these smaller companies just do not have is the number of bets. You really can make it fun. It feels very similar to fantasy, which obviously FanDuel made its its name on back in the day, but you can do player props, you can do parlays, you can do all these types of things that really feel just like a more fun way to consume sports. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, kick off the NFL season with them. That's FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, we're keeping it rolling. Let's talk Eric Gordon as we answer the question of who will be this team's fifth starter, who will be their fifth closer. Brandon, just make the case for why you're so high on on Gordon being that guy to close out games for this team, slide in next to the big four, so to speak, uh, that that are holdovers from last year plus Beal. Um, Just what intrigues you what makes you think it's going to be him more often than not yeah so there's a lot to like with gordon even at his age like even like what we saw with him uh what he did in the bahamas like he can still get up and throw it down on you if you if you take your eye off him for a second so uh, but yeah six nine wingspan um deceptively strong like he's you, you get him on the block like you're not going to move him too too much unless maybe you're like Giannis mm-hmm. or something like I, I think he's a little bit underrated in like the just the one-on-one defense like in terms of iso uh, defense and just having guys like him, Booker and and Beal, just kind of all in that same little like six five range with like long wingspans that are strong and can kind of switch. Like I think Vogel can do some interesting stuff defensively with with those guys, and I don't think either like any of them have to be necessarily a, a you know one on one ISO stopper with how they're going to like just pack the you know the perimeter with guys switching, just staying active. So I think defensively, like it's not as much of a red flag as. Um, I think some people might think at first glance, like I think they, they could still be a pretty damn good defense with 
with that starting lineup in Gordon. Um, and then offensively, obviously, he hits deep threes. Like, it's no secret by now. Like, he, he's one of the deepest three-point shooters in the league. So adding more spacing to to your three superstars and DeAndre Ayton down low, like, to me, that's just – I've been on the record multiple times. Like, I, I think that the offensive group has a chance to do something really special. So, uh, you know, if you can survive defensively and you have an unstoppable offense to close out games, like, that's – that to me is like why I still give him an edge over Bates Diop um, at this point. But, but yeah, I think there's, there's d- d- different angles to like on each end with Gordon. Whereas some of these other guys, they feel a little bit one, two, one dimensional at this point. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I yeah. stand with EG. Yeah. I think defensively he has at least a floor. That's like, he can probably survive and not make you too much worse. Like that might be the the best way to put it. I mean, I, I I want to believe that he can be even better than that, but he is 34 going on 35. And, you know, last year in the playoffs, I think that's probably how I would have described his defensive impact. Like good enough. Right. And that's fine. Cause he's your fifth best player on the, on the floor. And, you know, he is making a minimum contract and all these other things. So I think that's probably how I would put it. I do I do like his length and IQ within that to just execute what's being asked. Like that's another aspect. He's not a young guy, so you would you would think he could do that a little bit better. Um offensively, yeah, you know, deep range, good shooter, has always been a good shooter. The thing that intrigues me and I don't even necessarily know what it means for him playing alongside the best players on this team, but it's just worth noting and maybe speaks to his role when those guys are off the court as well. Maybe it, maybe it secretly like contributes to my Keda as the closer guy, uh, uh, guess, because that way Gordon's actually on the floor with the bench lineups more. But two years ago, he was actually a really good driver. Like you look at the stats, the driving kicks, the finishing, he had a real, and he got to the free throw line 4.2 times per game, which was the most since he was, since the uh, Pelicans were still the Hornets, to put it into perspective. And and he just really excelled even on a bad Rockets team. That was his age 32 season, so that was two full years ago. But that year makes me feel like when he's feeling good physically, and you mentioned the Bahamas stuff too, he has a little bit of juice. So. Uh, athletically, physically, to to get to the basket and do something. Maybe that's just never coming back. Maybe that was one last swan song, but I still kind of feel like that's there. So that intrigues me, but I don't know if that makes it better or worse to play with the with the best players. I, maybe that actually is part of a case to say, like, oh, put him out there with, like, one of the stars or two of the stars and a bunch of role players and actually give him the ball a little more. What do you think? Yeah, I think the main point when you look at this entire rotation is just like seeing how Vogel does like the staggers with, uh, is he going to keep Booker in the entire first quarter? Like we've seen Monty do, um, how soon will Durant come out? Like, I, like I've talked about before is like, I think we could see a lot of eight and Durant second unit lineups where, mm-hmm. um, Beal and Booker are on the bench and you, you plug Gordon in there with those guys. And there's a little bit less pressure on him to, to do everything offensively, like mm-hmm. with the second unit. Like I think the staggering is going to be huge and obviously if one or two of the guys are out and then there's injuries and all that stuff that, that kind of changes the entire dynamic for sure. But I think uh, Gordon can kind of get a healthy balance of whenever you need a bucket off the bench, put him in um, for not for long, like extended stretches, just to kind of give Beal and book a little bit of a breather. And then at the end of the game, like you can, you can come back out there and throw him out there for those, you know, those clutch minutes and he'll have fresh legs, which 
at his age is important. So um, I think that's that's the main thing is just using his minutes wisely and not overextending him. So you're getting you know mm-hmm. optimal Eric Gordon minutes and not just uh, a tired old man at the, the end of the game like we've seen with Chris Paul sometimes and and some of these other guys that get up there. Like if they're doing too much throughout the course of the game, it just it takes a toll. It does. So that's that's why I think having all these guys kind of trading off the mm-hmm. the workload is going to help him a lot. I think Gordon would be the most likely guy to step into the starting lineup if any injuries or rest happens for the Stars, so I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any chance that he would start games? No, not unless there's an injury. I just I feel like he's more, just historically speaking, it's always been like kind of his role to, to be that sixth man. He feels pretty comfortable in that and to close games when you need him to. But if, if Book and Beal are healthy, uh, I just I don't see it. But uh, can't rule it out. Like you, you never know what Vogel's going to do. He's, mm-hmm. he's he's not afraid to to throw things out there. Like uh, kind of the anti Monty in terms of how um, he'll get stubborn at times. Like you could get in his doghouse pretty pretty easily, and he's not afraid to make that change right then and there. But he'll also give you a chance to to, you know, get yourself out of it. So that's, that's kind of the difference that I've just from talking to, you know, Lakers fans or people that have followed Vogels, like he's, he's not afraid to make adjustments like in the moment yeah. as much. So I think that's why that you can't really rule anything out. And why I said, if, if he had a bet on who the fifth starter would be right now, like, I don't even think like he'd have probably a good guess, but it's just, yeah. But even like you said, yeah. even on opening night, it might be different than it will be by like <laughs> Thanksgiving, right? Like he, he yep, said that too, bad. that it, it's going to change. Yeah, I, I don't think Gordon will get many starts in the regular season unless there's a, especially Booker or Beal are, are out. But I would say in the playoffs, that would maybe be kind of like a, a chess move adjustment to just say, like, if we think this is our best offensive lineup and we expect him to close the game. All right, Nuggets, like we're just starting him, you know, or something like that. Like I could see it, but. Let's let's rifle through some of these other options. We spent a lot of time on the two most obvious candidates, but there are at least three. I actually think we could get to five other possibilities, so we'll do that after one more quick break. All right, coming back, let's let's go to Josh Kogi Brandon, who you kind of mentioned fitting the bill of what you're looking for. In terms of shooting, he does slide into the case for kind of what we were saying with Katie Bates Diop, where he comes to Phoenix, his shooting goes from below 30% to 34%, but in the playoffs, 14%, right? And that was a, a low number of attempts. Obviously, he did not play a ton. It was 14 attempts, but he only made two. And he just didn't shoot a lot either. He, he got a little nervous. And, and the other part that uh, actually Nate Duncan brought up, he had Michael Schwartz on his for their son's preview. And I listen to it and you know you try not to take too much but I think that the one point that I, I will steal is Kogi's also not an awesome finisher and I think that's that is a valid criticism that plus not being an awesome passer you just start to run into like okay well he has to do something on offense besides offensive rebound so that would be the thing still holding me back if he had a little shown a little bit at other offensive skills I could imagine how he would slide into a, a, a group like that, but it's just hard for me to envision it. Yeah. That's, and that's exactly why I think Bates Diop is the the favorite over him when you're just comparing those two, just because I, like I mentioned, like he can uh, contribute in other ways offensively. Like he has that identity where he can, he can finish, he can cut, he can 
you know, do a quick like little post up. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if a Kogi can get a little bit better in the short roll too, there's some stuff that mm-hmm. they tried with him last year that I think could be interesting. Um, but he has to make quick decisions and, and be confident. So for, with a Kogi, like I definitely think he has, uh, especially defensively, he has a, he fits exactly yeah. what they need in terms of bringing that yeah. tenacious energy, just being a menace on the ball, picking up full court, uh, diving on the floor and making ridiculous plays that there was one last year. The I think it was against Houston uh, when he blocked Jalen Green and just took it coast to coast and, and dunked it. Like stuff like that, that you're just like, good Lord. Like, I mean, but mm-hmm. it, he just needs to learn how to harness it, I think. So that's, uh, like you said, 14% from three in the, in the, the playoffs. It felt lower somehow um you know it wasn't like he was shooting that often but it was it was pretty rough so i think with him it's just all about confidence if he can be confident offensively then that's when he's making his his biggest step he increases assist rate lowered his turnover rate took more shots increases usage rate all good trends and the three-point shooting went up and he's only 24 so i don't think you can write him off yet i think it was smart to bring him back he offensive box plus minus, if you want to look at that, like he was only a slight negative on offense. If he can even get to like a zero offensive box plus minus where he's just a neutral with the, the stuff we know he can do defensively. And to your point, how well Vogel has tapped into that skill set in the past because he is small, but he can be really game breaking at the point of attack while also being strong enough to, to guard maybe not every forward, but most, you know, he had another nice play against Paolo Bancaro, who's six yep. inches taller than him right so like we've seen it um but we'll see all right let's talk about you Watanabe. this one feels similar to eric gordon where it's like if his defense is passable he's bigger he rebounds solidly and he just can bomb away from three and really break defenses apart with his shooting i wouldn't be surprised if we see some games where either yuda starts or if he's really hot he might just close games like i think that will happen this year yeah, absolutely. I think there's going to be, he's going to have those games where he's just a flamethrower and it's like, I dare you to take me out. Like, you know, take me out at your own risk. Like I'm, I'm feeling it. I've made, you know, I'm five for six. Or tell three, KD like. you're taking me out. See what he says. <laughs> exactly. So, and I think just with his intangibles too, like he's a really smart player off the ball. Like some of the stuff he's going to be able to do, like he'll just find himself in the right place at the right time. And that's sometimes that's luck, but a lot of times that's a skill that I think uh, he does a great job of the more I dove in on his film and just, just being in the right spot and all the attention some of the stars will get sometimes like it's just going to lead to open looks for him. And um, yeah, so I, I definitely think there's going to be some games he'll close. I don't think he'll be the closer by any means, but, but yeah, he'll, he'll definitely have his nights and his moments and um, him and Eubanks, I think are going to be fan favorites. It's like, a, it's, it's going to happen quick. So just be ready for that. Okay. I don't mean to be so uh, I mean, it's not even negative, but, there's an interesting phenomenon. If I'm if I'm just being realistic, if Yuta gets the biggest role on this team that maybe he's ever gotten, mm-hmm. he's at only uh, the the number is usually seven fifty is what they say. Like the stats people will say about a player's three point attempts, you have to get to seven fifty before it's like super trustworthy in terms of what your percentage is. So he's only at three hundred and twenty eight in the NBA, thirty nine percent on those. So you go to the world cup this year five games 26 percent from deep the asia cup last year four attempts per game 29 percent from deep the olympics before that five attempts per game 33 percent from deep you look at the g league 
He shot 35% across 220 attempts in three seasons over there. And then in college, he shot uh, 34% across 46, 460 total attempts at George Washington. I don't like I don't want to poo-poo it, but that is kind of like the past couple years have definitely been a substantial step forward for him, especially 20 the the COVID season and last year were kind of outliers if you really look at it. And and in between those, he had a 34% season in Toronto on limited attempts. So I don't think it's a given that he's just like this flamethrower shooter. But obviously, the most recent data would tell you he's going to be, especially on a good team like Brooklyn was, where he shot 44%. It's just it's something to monitor because I don't I don't want people to think this guy's just going to shoot 48% from three without any question. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. I don't I've no, I haven't dug that deep, like heading back um, to those. But I, I do I think I will right say- now. I just started to poke around while we were talking about him. So I, yeah, but it is interesting. Yeah, no, what I'll do with that information is pretend not to see it and just okay. uh, choose to focus on his most recent track record and ignore the FIBA stuff. Because like, I feel like those are small sample sizes. It's tough to, it's, it's really tough to gauge on that. But then you look like further back and you start you're talking about 200 plus attempts and that's, that's kind yeah. of where we're I mean, I definitely don't think 26% at this World Cup is indicative because he's also like the best player on that team. So mm-hmm. he's not exactly... It's a different role. Yeah, whereas on this team, it's yeah. like in any lineup, he's going to be the, the the least paid attention to guy, you would mm-hmm. think, and he's never really going to have to have the ball. So he should yeah. feast. And, and, and obviously, I'm leaving out some context within that where he's been an awesome corner three-point shooter basically mm-hmm. forever. Um, I'm trying to go back, go down to that. Corner three-point percentage, he's been at 41% on his career uh, in the NBA. They don't have those numbers for real GM. Uh, to look at all the international and, and college stuff, but reason to, to believe. I'm just giving that caveat. Um, Jordan Goodwin, any chance he starts or closes any games this year? Uh, maybe if there's an injury like Book or or Beal and uh, they want to keep Gordon in that six-man role, then I could see him. Like I think there's a reason campaign other than the you know luxury stuff. Like He got released. Was, they feel good about Goodwin. So um, if he finds his way starting in a few games – due to injury, like it would not surprise me. Uh, if this team's at full strength and he's starting, that's, that means one of two things. Either they're the people that they thought could do it are not playing well, and that's a huge red flag, or Goodwin's just looking uh, incredible and they can't keep him off the court. So uh, we'll see. He's, he definitely has a lot to prove, and I think there's there's lots of like in his game, but um, it's, he's just going to have to to go out there and, and earn those minutes because there's so many guys that can do what he can do, essentially, fighting for the same minutes. Yeah, he would have to just be – I would think the thing that would have to happen there is he shows that in addition to being a good point of attack defender, he can also guard bigger players, and he he's as good of a shooter as a lot of these other players we've already mentioned. You know, if, if he can do both of those, then you're, you're talking about a guy who's – pretty similar to Eric Gordon or pretty similar to, to Bates Diop or maybe even a little better than Josh Kogi, right? But right now, I think that that's a lot of ifs. So I, I agree, but I do like your point about maybe he starts. He seems like a logical candidate again if maybe if both Booker and Beal were out in a game, which, like, let's please not have that happen too often, but maybe then, you know, it's him and Gordon get the start or something mm-hmm. like that, but uh, probably not going to happen. Uh, I wanted to make the case for Ish Wainwright, but I, I just can't. I... I like, 
I do think he'll be more impactful defensively on this in this scheme than he was for Monty. I think that Vogel switching him a lot and maybe having him be even more aggressive as a helper could result in in a another really strong season, but I think it's kind of the same thing as Goodwin where it's like even if you can kind of squint and make the case, it's like the season's probably going in a weird direction if that's even on the table. Yeah, and just to get weirder, like I mean, uh, Kamara or Bull yes, Bull that was the, the last one. Kamara was like, the one I was going to go to. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of the wild card in all this, right? Like he he does a lot of the things that I think could make sense to be one of those guys that, and you'll see this with teams like that have that same kind of issue. I guess you could call it the Suns have with not really having a true fifth starter is just having a guy come in and start and really maybe play only like five minutes, like the rest of the game combined after he makes his first rotation. So like he could be yeah. one of those guys that they just bring him in for some energy, um, burn a few fouls, play physical, just run up and down the court, try to dunk on people. Um, so he's kind of a little bit of a wild card. Like I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say a rookie's going to start for a team trying to win a championship, but like <laughs> if, if someone's going to do it, that comes out of nowhere. Like he could be that guy. Yeah. I think, uh, it's probably not a this year thing. I, I kind of just don't expect him to play much at all. I think with a player yeah. like that in, in a situation like what the Suns have, so many good options in the rotation, you just have to make a decision at the end of the year. Is he is he going to be a part of who could play or is he not? You know, And I think for his sake, developmentally too, that clarity goes a long way. Whereas if it's like he gets a shot randomly in October – you could just do a lot of damage to his confidence if things don't go well. Right. And so it's kind of like, do you think he's ready or do not? And like, that's it. Like, leave it at that. You know, um, I'm trying to look at guys who are in similar situations, I guess like Max Christie, he was a much higher pick in 2022 than he was the 35th pick, but similar situation. Lakers obviously trying to compete for a championship. He played, uh, Four, 512 minutes this year and actually started three games did that really happen that does not even seem possible do you think Kamara plays more or less than 512 minutes oh, that's tough I'm gonna go I'm gonna go slightly over just because I think there's gonna be really? some garbage minutes and I think there's especially towards the end of the year where the Suns are they're gonna be down a few guys and they're, they're gonna need a body so I think it's gonna be close. I think it's gonna be somewhere right around that 500 minute range. But I think he'll have he'll have a chance for sure. And I'm gonna pay attention to preseason, just yeah. in terms of confidence. Like if he could build some momentum there, like that's gonna be his real chance to to get minutes out of the gate. Uh, but I don't think he'll be like a immediate contributor. It'll be more of like if these guys aren't stepping up, like we're we're gonna try this guy here. Yeah, Christie really bulked up on the minutes in that stretch where we thought the Lakers season might be falling apart when Anthony Davis got hurt. Yep. He played a bunch and then that was kind of it. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Kamara Kamara is the wild card. I I hope we see enough this year that he can feel like when we do an episode like this a year from now it's like okay, maybe now you say yes, you know, and really start to think about it. But, you know, without a G League team and with limited opportunities that development has to come somewhere. So I don't think it's a bad idea to say yes to that question of, is he going to be a guy who might play or not? I think you could say yes. And like, then you just got to really commit to it and put him in anytime that there's a garbage time moment, or if there's an injury, say you're playing tonight, like just try it. Right. Like 
Yep. Trust especially the rest of your talent to to win out and make him feel comfortable. Yeah, and especially if like a guy like Ish Wainwright's not really showing any progress, and you're at that point where you don't really have too many guys that have like the size and and fit the that type of role that you want like on this roster. Once you start to really look at it, so I think he'll definitely have a chance, and it's just going to come down to is he going to prove himself and, and get, like gain Vogel's trust, which it's, tough, it's pretty tough to do that as a rookie, like especially on a team that's going for the, the title. But uh, at the same time, I think he definitely has some qualities they're looking for and can, can make a splash. And uh, hopefully it's not too soon. Cause like I said, if it happens right away, that means either he's looking incredible or something, something bad's happening. So uh, yeah. we'll see. All right, that'll wrap us up. That was question number six of 13 on our Phoenix Sun season preview series. Hit follow or subscribe, get this show, get the answers to questions seven through 13, which I know you're waiting for with bated breath on the feed every day from now through training camp. We'll obviously be touching on news as it happens as well. And camp will be right after the series is over. So that's the agenda. If you want that stuff, then you know what to do. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.